You're listening to The Kylo Show, the podcast where we talk about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. And it starts right now. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to The Kylo Show. We are still working on our Kylo at Work series, but we have another really fun guest. Ta-da. I'm so excited. This is like my Uncle Bob. This I'm going to share with you. This is your Uncle Bob. This is my Uncle Bob. The best friend a guy could have. Bob Hassan from Hassan Inc. and BobHassan.com and yep. I don't know what other author. He's famous. got a few books. Yeah. He, he's, he's got uh, three, right? Is there three books out? He's got three books out. He's got... Uh, podcast with Sean Bowles that's yep. storming the planet. No. He's got, um, I don't know, what do they call you at Jesus Culture San Diego? I don't know what they call me, but I got Lauren. That's all that matters. Oh, that's that'll do it. <laughs> Lauren Hassan. There is a whole nother story. We'll have to get her, her on here. Basically, they are a dynamic duo, those they two. Are. They are um, fantastic. advancing the kingdom and loving people well. But... So I'm just is, excited. This is the Bob Hassan that uh, he and I co-authored The Business of Honor uh, back a few years ago. And really, that book captures a lot of the um, the essence of what we're talking about today. Really, how mm-hmm. do you integrate the, um, the ingredients of leading like our father and... And not like a tyrant, or an, in that book we call it an orphan, orphan heart, orphan spirit. So this is, you know, really the interview that we never had about the business of honor in lots of ways. Um, since then, Bob wrote a book for young people called Shortcuts, which is a book every young entrepreneur <laughs> for sure should get a hold of. They should be. Passing that book out in every school of ministry and every college in the world just yeah. to help people kind of pick up on the idea of what's it actually mean to get to your goal in life. Yeah. So here we are. Well, please tell us, Bob, what is it that you do and what makes you so wonderful? Because we could just keep going on and on. I know. I could but just talk about you've got to tell the people how amazing you are. Well, I just want to say I'm so honored to be here with you guys, and I love the Kylo Show, and Keep Your Love On uh, was formational in my life, putting words to who I am, and I'm so happy to be here, Brittany. It's a lot of fun to have you. Again, I just am excited about all the fun people that we've been having on the podcast last, lately, because they're all like our people. Our people. They're just so wonderful. You're also on the board with us, which is a lifesaver. We had uh, Eric Knopf last week. He was on the board as well. So, But please tell these curious people, what is it that you do? What's your company? Um, how is it that you're advancing the kingdom and what you do? Well, I'm advancing the kingdom by, by being bent towards the Father in everything that I do, whether it's at work or whether it's at church or whether it's at home. Um, trying to let the Lord come through me so that um, I can create a culture of love rather than fear. And I, I have a company that I've had for 45 years. It's a painting contractor. And um, 
we've we're, we're a mature company now and and like like Danny said, he tricked me into writing a book mm-hmm. in 2000. Yes, he did. <laughs> which uh, which which was amazing. And then I got to I got to travel with you guys for a long time, and mm-hmm. been really amazing. So I'm I'm just thrilled to be where I'm at, and humbled that you know God had in later in my life has taken me in a little bit different direction with books and podcasts and things like that. Super fun. Mm-hmm. So when you say painting contractor, mature, I like the word mature. Mature, you know, that's a good that's that's a good way to introduce it. But uh, you basically are surrounded by construction construction workers, right? Yeah, which which would mean you, you're like the king of the construction workers, right? I don't know. No painters painters are not the kings. As a matter of fact. <laughs> no. There's there's a, a a bleep painters is what we are, so yeah. we're the lowest of the low, probably the smallest subcontractor on every job site that we do, and um, but we make the jobs look good when they're finished, so they need us. So essentially, you've painted San Diego, right? <laughs> Some of it. We've been lucky. <laughs> he started from the top and worked his way down to the border. I remember back in the day, Danny. You remember Thomas Brother Maps? Well, yes. Thomas Brother Map, and you'd go like downtown San Diego to 501 B Street, and you'd get on the elevator to the 31st floor, and you'd go into Suite 301, and they'd point you to a little room, and they'd say, "Paint that room." And so you paint the room and be happy, and get paid a little bit of money, and go on. And now, you know, our jobs, I can drive down the freeway and say, "Oh, you see that building, and that building, and that building. We've we've painted those buildings," and so yeah. it's changed lot in yeah uh, for over 40 years yeah pretty cool stuff uh i got a tour of uh, one of your recent projects the uh the sofi stadium where the rams and the chargers play now that was a pretty cool project no small task Lincoln has a hard hat that says Hassan Inc. in his closet from that i can see it i can see (laughs) it in the background there on his shelf yeah i you know how uh, in you know in our in our church world we talk about the healthy fear of God, and you know we're we're trying to you know fix our father wounds and have a healthy fear of God. Well, that job, boy, I had a healthy fear of that job. It was it was a monster, and for <laughs> almost five years. And when we finished that, I was I was I was really really pleased. It was a yeah. feather in our cap. A five-year painting job, yeah. Uh huh. As as you do, right? So cool. <laughs> well, Bob, you you know, in a mature forty-five-year stretch, I mean, you've seen it all. I mean, you've seen it all. You've done it all. And um, let's talk just a little bit about how you are purposefully shaping the culture of your company to uh, bring out the best in people, to um, you know, build strong relationships so that you can, you know, you can put a, a, a productive demand on relationships and they don't shred, you know, they're not, they're not fragile. And uh, just talk a little bit about you know, kind of how you lead in creating a culture so that your leaders then, in fact, push it down into the company? Danny, that's a great question. And that, and that 
pretty much is the hardest thing about building culture. And there's, you know, all kinds of books written about leadership and, and, and how to bring culture. And, and I, you know, I learned from you, first John 4, 18, uh, fear and love can't coexist because fear has to do with punishment. And, and so I think in lots and lots of companies, you'll see a fear-based mentality where people are climbing over other people's backs. People are stealing other people's ideas. Uh, people are trying to make other people look stupid. And, and in those fear-based cultures, it's really, it's really, really hard to have, you know, a culture of love. So in, in my company, I've made, you know, uh, a real effort to lead with the why, to tell people why we're doing what we're doing and, mm-hmm. and allow people um, to collaborate, to make decisions. Obviously, when you're a, you're a director or you're a supervisor, you're a direct report, you're a CEO, you're the boss, you have the ultimate authority and make the ultimate decisions. But in my company, I've, I've really, really tried to allow the people at the table to come to consensus. So what we do is, you know, we, we sit around the table and we bat around these ideas and issues and problems that we have within the company. And everybody has to say, I, I want to hire powerful people to come to sit around the table. When, when <clears throat> I've hired someone, I expect them to bring their best and to bring their opinions. And part of having the ability to give your opinion in, in, is not to have fear that somebody's going to say, that's a stupid idea, or we've never done that. The one I love the most is, we've never done that, so therefore that's stupid. (laughs) When people have new ideas that we've never done, they've worked and shaped and and changed uh, policy. So, so it's been, it's been this, uh, it's, it's been this a whole march through, through my career to, to explain the why of why we're doing things, which starts with a strategic business plan, uh, you know, a vision, mission, and values. So people know, you know what the company's about so that as it pushes down past uh, the office, into the field, past the superintendents, to the foreman, to the, to the uh, uh, laborers and apprentices, they, they all kind of understand what the company's about. And, and having good lead people who understand what the culture is about allows that to be able to be pushed down. And in the construction business, uh, the construction business is rough and tumble. So when you have when you have a culture that's based on love, it's a little bit different. And people, Ben worked at um, a lumber yard and in construction for years. And I think somebody once referenced the lumberyard that he was working at. It was this, the scum of the earth is where you're going to be working is with those people, which is a horrible way of saying it. But it, a lot of the guys that work there are on parole. Um, they've had hard lives. And so this concept of, uh, you know, decreasing the fear, which is probably what they've known the loudest and increasing love and value is a really foreign concept. Yeah. So how do you translate that to your leaders that are, you know, leading these guys that are, you know, I don't, I don't know what your employees are like, but I just know that the average guy that Ben ever worked with was, he had an interesting background. We'll say it that way. So, I mean, you've, you've transformed this and left a mark on probably almost everyone that comes through your company that you have a high value for decreasing that fear. 
Yeah. And all the way down to people that I've never met who work for the company, they, it, hopefully it's pushed down. We have a, we have a robust org chart. And, and so, you know, our teams are, 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 have, have leaders. And so each team lead, you know, has, has to understand that. I, Brittany, that's a great question. I mean, we have people who have, you know, been on parole, have been in jail, people who, people who are, have come out of halfway houses. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, our government has mandates that um, that, that we hire uh, at-risk people. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're bringing at-risk people in, but I've been doing that for, you know, decades, bringing at-risk people in. The only way I know how to do it is to be consistent. And mm-hmm. uh, your question reminds me of a story. I had a, a, a rock star superintendent who, who has worked for uh, the company for over a decade. And, and he's a rough and tumble guy. I mean, he's, <laughs> you can imagine, um, you know, he, he gets, he gets his work done. He's a GS deer. And, uh, but I had hired, um, I had hired someone from the church who had been down and out who needed a job and I put him on, um, one of our jobs and he just, he, he wasn't very good. He didn't know what he was doing. He, but he, he needed help. And I, and I, and I, I told my superintendent, listen, I'm going to bring this guy in. He doesn't know anything. We're going to pay him this much because we need to, because he has a family and, and I just want you to work with him. And, and he kind of gritted his teeth and, you know, he, he, he did not get along well with this guy. And so <laughs> well, <That's rough. laughs> it, it was rough. And, but I trusted my superintendent because he's been, he, he's amazing with the clients. I, I call him an ambassador, an ambassador for our company. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one evening I got a phone call from this friend I hired and he said, I'm really, really sorry. Um, you know, that I'm such a terrible worker. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, I got fired today. And, you know, the superintendent, told me I, w- I was a piece of crap and he was firing me. And I said, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, come to find out. So I, the next, uh, the next day we were in an operations meeting and the superintendent was at our operations meeting. And I asked him, I said, hey, um, do you like working for us? And he said, yeah, boss. I mean, you, this is the best company. I want to retire here. You've, you've changed my life. I mean, you've given me an opportunity and I want to work here forever. I've never worked for a better company, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I said, that, that's awesome. You know, um, have I ever, like, have I ever treated you poorly? No, 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 you haven't. And I said, all right, well, I heard from this worker and I just want to know, who gave you permission to um, berate this worker and fire him by telling him he was a piece of crap? And dead silence. Everybody around the, you know, everybody around the um, conference room table was silent. They, they didn't know I was going to do this. And, and <laughs> I said, uh, uh, he didn't know what to say. And I said, so what I want you to do before the day is out is I want you to call not only that guy, but everybody else you laid off and apologize to them. And, wow. and he said, well, they don't work for me anymore. And I said, I, you still have your, you still have their phone number. And I want to hear from you at the end of the day that you've done that. Mm-hmm. And man, he did, he did it. And, and then he came back and said, I really thought about this and 
I, you know, I've never been treated this way. And I, I guess it's just my old nature and the construction business and I'll never do it again. And I said, perfect. And, and, um, and I called my friend back and said, Hey, did, did this guy call you? Yeah. He apologized. I don't know what you said to him. And I said, I, I just said, look, I, I want people to be treated the way everybody wants to be treated. And that's how we're going to run this company. And I'm, and you're not a piece of crap. You were part of a layoff. That's the other thing that he, <laughs> he was part of a layoff. I think we laid off 15 people that day. And, uh, um, and so I think having, you know, and keep your love on connection, communication, and boundaries, right? So I mm-hmm. practice my business uh, through those three principles and keep your love on. And that particular one was communication and boundaries, and, and I really, I really, really believe in that uh, in the workforce. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, is that you, you have powerful people mm-hmm. who literally expect to be personally responsible for their actions. Mm-hmm. And um, they expect to, whether they realize it or not, they expect to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And, and, so many of us are in environments where the lane that I pay you for to produce by the date that it was supposed to be done is what you think you're accountable to. And and when you empower powerful people, they begin to realize that I'm actually accountable for the experience that the people around me have mm-hmm. of my production. And I think that is so vital, and and it's such a a, a challenge to do in an envi- in an environment where a lot of guys just settle their disagreements p- with punches. You know, mm-hmm. like hey, we'll just sort this out um, out there in that field. You know, you you ever say anything like that to me again? <laughs> you know, the strong survive the you know f- survival of the fittest kind of an environment and you're integrating into that respect and responsibility. Fantastic. How many employees do you have? It ranges from 800 to 50. Um, And right now we're in, we're in a, uh, we're in a a low season right now, which is great because we're collecting all of our accounts receivable and getting (laughs) jobs. Um, but, but the thing, you know, g- going back to this, like the, the employee base is whether you manufacture widgets, whether you're uh, in a nonprofit, whether you are a service company providing a service, the one thing as believers that we have to recognize is we are all a service company. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I've seen since the pandemic has been as people work from home, they've lost this, this culture. And uh, in, in the national workforce, we started seeing articles um, about quiet quitting. And, you know, what, what's a quiet quitter? What, what the heck is that? Nobody knew. Well, it was, it was employees who said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do anything extra. I'm going to show up for work. I'm going to do the bare minimum. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to do any extracurricular activities with uh, coworkers. I'm not going to have any continuing education. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. And so Wall Street Journal had all these articles about it, uh, which morphed into uh, 
when once the pandemic, once all these people weren't working, employers were trying to hire people. So uh, this other phenomenon happened uh, last year where, where people would interview for jobs, get the job, and then not show up for jobs. Wow. And and employers nationwide, industry-wide, were, were writing about this, this phenomenon of this happening. And, and I, I was perplexed by it because, you know, what's happening? Were they getting better jobs? Or it, are people's character in, in the place where not only are they quiet quitting, but now they're ghosting these jobs? And, and so one of the things I like to talk about is the bar is very low for us as believers uh, to, to show up and to have really, really good experiences in our jobs. If, if you show up early, if you complete your tasks during the day, if you ask another coworker or your supervisor, you know, what can I do next or how can I help you? You are in the 1%. And, <laughs> and it, it, it's, 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 it's so it's sad to say it, but having people, having people show up and move up. And, and I know plenty of young people who are just moving up in their jobs right now because they're letting their character show through. Uh, they're keeping their love on at work. They're, they're mm-hmm. being powerful when they show up. And, and we're in a place today where uh, last week uh, in the news, 70,000 tech jobs were laid off between Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, uh, um, Twitter and and people are getting laid off and who do you think's getting laid off? Do you think the people with character that are showing up on time are getting laid off? Yeah. No, the quiet yeah. quitters, the people mm-hmm. that are facing the jobs are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people that are jacking up the anxiety around them mm-hmm. are the people that are being scrubbed out. You know, yeah. this is a a great time to economically, it's a great time to scrub the problems from your teams and say, you know, this is, this is a, a, a great excuse to let all of you who seem to have uh, uh, learned high levels of disrespect and self-absorption, mm-hmm. it's, it's this a good time to just let you go out there and figure a few things out. And the people that are coming in that are wanting to take responsibility they're wanting to um, influence the the culture that the leader wants to to perpetuate not just their own particular culture like so many people in the in recent years have have come in with an agenda to uh, change the culture of the company that they're a part of and become the the culture catalysts of that company. And employers are going, what's happening to our company? What is the deal? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this is a great time to get your the reins back to your company and to tighten up on that, that central piece. Uh, Bob, you've told me a number of times that um, your top tier supervisors and leaders have been with you for decades. Is that, is that, uh, aging out now or is that, uh, picking up speed? How, how would you describe that hot lava core? I've, I've had a couple people retire last year and, uh, but yeah, decades. Um, I have, I have a young man who came, um, out of college and he is now 
36. <laughs> so he's, he's so young, so yeah. young. We should just talk about that. Well, all I'm saying is it's, 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 it's impressive when somebody's been with you for 15 years and they're 36 yeah. and, and he loves the culture because he's an artist. He's a photographer. He has, he loves the woodwork. He, and he, and he has all these outside interests and art, uh, and, you know, working at our company, you work, you know, basically 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Gives him the whole rest of the day to pursue these other outside interests that I'm so excited for him about. Because I believe, you know, later in his life, he, you know, his art and photography will take off to a point where that's what he'll be doing. And mm -hmm. it, uh, it, it's so incredible to be able to provide an environment uh, and a culture for people to to raise their quality of lives and let them explore their outside interests. Yeah. And, and Bob, you, you know, you have a, a posture of, you know, not in a weird way, but in a very healthy way of being a father to these men that, you know, you, you see them coming, uh, you, you begin to position them in the company for success. Talk a little bit about that. I just know a couple guys that aren't with you anymore because they went on to, you know, their dreams or their, you know, their, uh, their true calling. Talk, talk a little bit about yeah, I've that. I've got, you know, I had some really cool young people, some really cool stories about, you know, uh, uh, the, this young man was uh, in the Naval Academy and in the Navy and you know, he was a pastor and then a teacher. And of course, you know, the pastor and the teacher, you know, and, and uh, the youth pastor, he, he got abused. So I brought him into the construction company, this smart guy, and let him let him just be smart until he could figure he could let all the dust settle from the spiritual abuse from the church churches, you know, at large and figured out that, you know, he really wanted to be a college professor. So now he's in Scotland um, um, getting his Ph.D. in theology. How, Another, how long did he work for you? Uh, two years. Okay. And he put, you know, two hard years into it. I had another young man who uh, was a wrestler uh, at, a, at a college and he, you know, all, all he wanted to do in his life is kill terrorists. And so he came to work for us. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't kill anybody. Uh, you know, now he's an army ranger and he's uh, in, going into military intelligence and and so we were this kind of stopping ground uh, for, for people on their way to what their future is. And one of the things is when, when, you, when you hire people, you have to invest a lot of money into time and training. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what I've realized is it's worth it, even if, even if they're going to leave, because, uh, uh, because it teaches you about where you as a company need to go. And, and, and so it's so cool. And there's I, countless guys who started their own small painting businesses mm -hmm. who are out there. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really proud about that, seeing, seeing people follow their calling. Because I think passion is an interesting word. I hear people a lot talk about how they're not passionate about their jobs or, or their company is corporate or they don't have social justice causes. But I think... If people have passion projects, you know, you have another half a day after work that you can work on those passion projects. So you don't really have to be super passionate about, you know, manufacturing a widget or being in a service company. You have all this other time to follow, to see where you really want to go. And I've seen lots and lots of young people do that. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. I do. A, I have a practical question. 
because I love the practical things. So if you've got a company that ranges from 800 to 50 people, roughly, and right now it's in the sweet season, so that's great for you. Love that. How do you develop, like, what do you do to develop your leadership team? So when you have such a large, you know, increase of employees that you're maintaining your culture, like, what is the practical things that you're doing with your leadership that helps your, um, you know, your values and your really integrity extend past this, you know, 50 people to 800? Like, what do you do to develop your leaders? Well, I think, you know, the, the 50 people just classify them as the cream of the crop and the leaders. Mm-hmm. And so they've been, you know, a, a lot of these guys have been with me for 30 years. So, mm-hmm. so over time, by osmosis, they're getting the culture. Mm-hmm. When you, you, don't, you don't have to have, uh, you know, a master class when someone calls you and says, my transmission broke you know, or my, or my wife's pregnant and I don't have insurance or my mother's dying and, you know, I need a plane ticket and the company says, Oh, we'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you a loan off your future salary. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the money. Or when someone says my daughter is having a crisis and, and the first response is go take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. These are the things in the culture that, aren't taught it it's it's just it's just how we believe and so so through people being there decades and seeing this kind of thing happen seeing someone make a massive mistake which is a mistake and not getting fired because a mistake's a mistake you know there there's willful things that you know we we don't we don't put up with but um People make mistakes that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. And, and um, it's like, okay, what did we learn from this? And we're going to move forward. Of course, in the office, we're shaking our heads like, are you serious? But the culture that's built is, you know, I, I've made more mistakes than anyone. So mm-hmm. who am I to judge when, when someone out in the workforce who's trying their best makes a mistake. And it's a, it's a, it's a good question, Britt, because I think people want, you know, to, well, yeah, I have an e-course that all my employees have to watch (laughs) and and we don't do that. It's, it's, it's more like we're very, very intentional. And uh, the only, the only courses they have to do are human resources related because, you know, the state mandates it. Uh, But within the, culture of the company i think like i love brit what you do with your family you have a you have a culture creed your kids all know what being a circle is and what the culture creed is and what they're what they're meant to do and they go do it and even when they make mistakes you you sit down with them and say hey this this doesn't fit with our culture creed and 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 we move forward and so that's what i try to do at work the difference between work and a family is you know, if people get three warnings, they've been written up. Um, if some things seem willful or some things are against the law, they're they're done and gone. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a hard thing as a believer to get used to. And I know lots of people who run companies really have a hard time. Um, I like to say, you know, w- one of the things is we're too quick to hire, which means that we don't check references, and then we're too slow to fire. Um, uh, when we, when we know that somebody is crossing boundaries, isn't accountable, isn't powerful, 
um, you know, we need to, you know, make those decisions. And if you're an employee, show up and be powerful, be accountable, crave boundaries, ask a lot of questions and ask for feedback. That's great. I love it. Awesome. And so guys that have been with you for 30 years, um, when they leave your organization, I mean, I've seen some, some pretty special touches that you've given to some of your guys. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know any, I've never heard of a company doing some of the things that you've done, but, um, do you want to talk about any of that? Like, is that, is that something you can talk about or about it in generalities? Um, okay. We, we have done some really amazing things for people, uh, because I believe that they've done pretty amazing things for me. I don't think, uh, the company would be where it's at without these long-term employees. And so I have, I have done things that, like you say, companies don't normally do recently. Um, a man retired and, uh, he, he'd been with me for over 20 years. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to pay you a year of severance. And, um, I'd only had <laughs> two or three people retire before. So I, what, what do I know? I was, at a, I was at a business forum talking about it. And this, this guy raised his hand and said, do you know that when people retire, you don't pay severance? And I, I thought about it for a second. I said, well, I did. <laughs> this man transformed the company over 20 years. And yeah. it was just the right thing to do. <laughs> and, and, I, and so I, I know that there's rules and I know that, you know, you do these certain things and, and, and you have, and you have a human resources manual that say these different things, but you have the ability as an employer to, to do things that and recognize people for long, long years of service. And it's, and it's, it's just such a blessing to be able to do it because if you think about it, these people have blessed you by mm -hmm. being faithful, by being uh, in long years of service and by, actually looking at the company like it was their own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and how do you think that that type of ownership or responsibility, how did that, how did that uh, soak in to them? Because uh, obviously they're making a, a salary, they're making a paycheck and uh, they're not, you know, they're not the, the primary uh profiteer if you will you know they're the they're on salary and yet these guys over decades are taking such good care of your company that they're transforming it how, how does that happen well again the discussion we've had about culture but i'm not a micromanager uh -huh. so I'm hired, when i hire people i hire people that i think are going to be learners who are going to be able to shift and adjust and who, who are powerful and who are smarter than me. So, so that when, when we come around the table, uh, you know, I, I put people in these positions because I believe in them. And I think it takes, it takes people a long time to recognize that you believe in them because yeah. they all, the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. And, uh, they think that if they make one mistake, you know, they're gone. And in a lot of companies, it is that way, but it takes a long time for people to recognize that you believe the best in them. And, and even when they do make mistakes. And, and so I think once that 
pushes down in a person's soul and they realize they've been believed in, it makes them want to take care of what we've built as a team. And, and we built a pretty special thing uh, so that, so that people want to protect it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. But shocking. I, I, I know. So I think shocking. Your guys, I think your guys love you. <laughs> I think they love you. You know, I think that, you know, you've built this family thing where we are committed to each other. We are in this for the long haul. Um, I don't I don't know anybody that feels as protected by another human being as the guys you would work with feel protected by you. Like you are going to the bank, you're going to the wall, you are, you know, you are going to get us through this somehow. And if and and your success is our success. <laughs> and so these people are uh, the, the way they feel so believed in is because I think you your leadership is uh, you know self-sacrificing at some level where you really are devoted to the well-being of your of your troops and I think these guys just love you. I think the people who've been there long term but you know what there's a handful of people over here who if you interviewed him they'd say that bob's the biggest dirty rotten rat he fired <laughs> you know he, he didn't do this that and the other thing and there's you know when when you say that it's all i think about is the people over here who think i'm a dirty rotten rat and uh you know and that, now i think that's just human nature but conversely where i will protect you know the people out in the field um they protect me yeah it's it's the craziest thing when you know I get a call from a guy who's so fired up and this they're trying to do this and this and this to the company and we're not going to let them and, you know, <laughs> and they're like whoa whoa calm down you know this is one of our good clients and we've been in business with these guys for thirty years and yeah but they're not going to get over on us on this one and they're trying uh, you're like, okay and it it is a it's a beautiful thing but. But I think part of the thing is, is as an employer or as a shift manager or as someone who has direct reports, if you don't recognize the value uh, that employees bring to you and what they bring to your company and the success of your company is for the people all the way down the line, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're not a level five leader, as Jim Collins would say it. And level five leaders look in the mirror when there's problems and they look out at everyone else when there's success. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as we keep our love on in the workplace, as you know, we're doing Kylo at work, this is, these are the foundational principles uh, of a leader that, that, that we need to be is, is to look out to the interests of others as the scripture says. Yeah. That's great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, where everyone can go to find resources that you have available if they, I, I just think of everyone that's got a small company to a large company that thinks, man, I want to have a culture like Bob Hassan has in his company. How, how would they find those resources? What would you suggest them out of the resources that you have? Where would you have them start? Give, give a plug for us here. Okay, well, BobHassan.com has all the resources, the books, but you can go to LovingOnPurpose.com too because <laughs> Business of Honor is for sale there. Danny and I wrote a book about culture uh, in business and, and it uh, has the culture of honor principles, the keep your love on principles in it. 
And uh, but bobhassan.com, you can find that kind of stuff. There's blogs and there's links to uh, the podcast and things like that. Brittany, thanks for asking. Yeah, I, I think you could be a great mentor for a lot of people that are um, looking for um, mature help, as you so said earlier, that you've got a mature company. Um, I, you are, you're a wealth of knowledge. You're our first phone call when we like, Oh, uh, we, we need Bob. <laughs> we need Bob to help us. As I don't understand this. And I don't know how many times we've called you with, can you help me understand this? I don't, I don't speak this language. I don't understand. I think Christian this. calls his phone calls with Bob, uh, Hassan, Hassan's Institute of Financial. Yeah, he's you're you're his college that he's going to right now. He's in training. Totally. Um, it's awesome because he wants to learn, and he's he one of those learners that it's really awesome. I have something in my inbox of, of from you guys that a contract to review. So I can't wait to see can't wait to see it, and I'm going to make sure that you're protected too. Um, yeah, of course. I, I think I think one of the things that I would encourage people is. Find people in your church and your local body that are that are that have experience in what you need mentorship with, and ask them to coffee, ask them to breakfast. The reason I say coffee or breakfast because it's cheaper than asking them to dinner. Sit <laughs> <laughs> from the finance guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and take them to coffee and and get to know them and tell them you know what you're looking for because people who have experience and are older really really do want to help and. You have a wealth of knowledge in your faith communities and your churches, uh, everywhere that you are to find mentorship like that. Yeah. Yeah. Find some gray hairs, <laughs> find some gray hairs and, and listen to them. You know, I, I think that sometimes young people want to share their ideas and their vision and their, and all their untried, uh, you know, philosophies yeah, and ideals and yeah. the, and the gray hairs just sit there and nod and wait, wait for a question and wait for the invitation. Like, yeah. This would be a great time to just listen, ask a couple questions and take notes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is what shortcuts is really is, uh, it's a, it's a something that is really going to push a young heart that's being molded into what to value and what to shed because there's just so much garbage that you you pick up in the in the culture around you know things that that you should get and things that you know somebody else should provide and something else other people should do you're like well you get sidetracked on that stuff mm-hmm. and you're going to spend a lot of time wasting time but if you put your head down and go after the right things, you're going to look up and be in a beautiful place. And there are no shortcuts. That's well, that's pretty, probably the, you know, yeah. no. don't tell him the end of the book, honey. <laughs> well, his cover, it's pretty much says, no, there are no shortcuts. It's very clever. It's true. Yeah. So. People don't have to read it because there aren't any. But I'll give you, yeah. you don't have to read the book. The only shortcut is wisdom. That's the only yeah. shortcut. And you find that from the Lord, you find that from other people in your life, and you find that from what God gives to you. And it's pretty exciting. Thank you, Bob, yes. so much thanks for your so time, much. your wisdom, and um, and th- just just thanks for doing such a great job all around you. Mm-hmm. We certainly get to benefit from that. Really sure. appreciate you. We are grateful. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for another Kylo at Work 
episode. And thank you, Bob, again, for joining us. You're a gift to us in so many ways. And we will see everybody next time on The Kylo Show. Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode of The Kylo Show by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us on the Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. Don't forget to submit your questions and testimonies to thekyloshow.com. The Kylo Show is produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck and Anna Hill, sound engineer and edited by Taylor Silk, and show promoter Christian Zamora. Don't forget, whole healthy families are going to save the world.